let me just greet you again. Maybe we could dance some more. But we can also speak some more. Amen. Don't just, just greet someone next to you. You know, I won't tell you how to greet them. God is good. Jesus is Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. Well, we may take our seats. We, I just want to uh, bring through some important announcements before we, we continue for today. Amen. Lishap, uh, you want us to close? Lishap. Well, about three years ago, as a church, we we decided to go and plant a church in Flehoff. Aguirre, you know that. And so, remember, we, we have always said it that for us, the best way we understand how to evangelize communities is to plant churches. And our theology so far is steadfast on planting autonomous churches churches that have their own eldership, amen. So we don't necessarily do branches. And having said that, we have sent teams for many months. And we had a meeting with the leadership last uh, weekend to say, we believe it's time to release the church into its own autonomy, amen. And so as it stands now, um, the date that Flehoff will be released fully as, a, as an autonomous church partnering with Cosmo City Church. Remember, we cannot control what they do. Amen. So that will be on the 10th of January. 10th of January, we will be releasing Flehoff Church, Flehoff Grace Church into its autonomy and Murutimeket will still will henceforth lead it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So that's the very most important announcement. The rest is stuff that you know. But this morning I want to, I want to believe I will encourage you as I'm encouraged myself. I want to talk to us about Jesus Christ the living hope. Amen. Jesus Christ, the living hope. You know what's funny? In, in my mind, I had thought I should say Jesus Christ, our living hope. Or Jesus Christ, my living hope. But in my own battles and in my own observation of what is happening in the church, 
I realize that it is almost these days presumptuous to say Jesus, our living hope. Because many of us at the moment need to rediscover, firstly, Jesus, their living hope until they can discover him as their own hope. At the moment, the church, we are at the place where Jesus, we need to be taught again that there is but one king, there is but one savior, there is but one mediator between man and God. There is but one who holds everything through the power of his word, who sustains everything and without whom everything falls apart and his name is Jesus. The church has to be retaught. Such that even if you choose to, be, to believe or not believe, at least you know there is only but one hope. There is only one need that we all have that meets all our needs. And if our needs are met outside him, it is just for a time. It is temporary. Anything met outside Jesus is bound to fail eventually. Any hope found outside him is vain hope. So Jesus, with our conviction or without, he remains their living hope. And so my hope personally, if you read in Acts chapter 26, verse 28, it comes to a point where uh, 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 Paul is, is standing before King Agrippa and he's telling him how God called him. And he says, King Agrippa, you do believe in the prophets, don't you? Listen to what King Agrippa says. King Agrippa asks him, he says, he says, Paul, do you suppose that in this time frame you can convert me? You can make me a Christian. Paul says, I do not only hope that you can convert, but everyone who's listening to me accept these chains. And it is with that hope that I'm sharing this morning that at least hopefully I am trusting that by the end of this service, by the end of this short time, you and I, Jesus can move from just being their living hope to Jesus Christ, my living hope. Because I tell you, it is true that we live in unprecedented times, but we walk with an unchanging God who's not affected by unprecedented times, who's not controlled by them. The Bible says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. When times change, he doesn't change. His power and his ability is not diminished by times that become worse or better. He's in charge. But you know, Jesus has always been the living hope. But Jesus has not always been everyone's living hope. Jesus has been misunderstood even by those who walked with him. The Bible tells us in Luke 24 that 
Two were going to, they were on the road to a mouse, Cleopas and the other one. And the Bible says Jesus appeared in their midst. And he says, what are you talking about? They say to him, are you a stranger in this place? Don't you know the things that have happened in Jerusalem about Jesus of Nazareth? How our, 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 our leaders, our priests have killed him. But listen to the misunderstanding of the living hope. They say, but we had hoped that he is the one. He is the Christ. He is the one that will redeem Israel. But all they could see was the prophet of God with limitations. The Bible says... And I love this because it's what Philip did to the eunuch. The Bible says, starting from Moses, from the Torah, from the book of the law, starting from there, throughout the prophets, he unfolded, he revealed, he explained to them about himself. How's that? They have walked with him. They have seen the miracles. They have seen everything. But he had not come, become to them my living hope. They say we had hoped. But he's dead. And to add salt to the matter, it is now three days since he's been buried. Our hope has been buried with COVID. Our hope has been buried with rising statistics of unemployment. Our hope has been buried with the fears of the world. Everything that the world fears, we have come to fear. Because what the enemy has done, he has stolen, he has killed, he has taken away the hope of the children of men. And the hope of the church is buried with the hopes of the world. At least the world has never claimed to believe in Jesus. At least the world, they believe in what they believe, whatever it is. The world has never claimed a living hope. Those who speak of their ancestors, they speak of dead people. At least they don't claim much. And in any case, they are dependent on people who always want things from them. Are you there, saints? But Jesus has been or understood to be the most controversial individual in history. Jesus was never controversial. He is the way, the truth. When truth is concealed in the eyes of people, when revealed, it constitutes controversy. It only becomes controversy but because it reveals the ignorance and the lies. But people have questioned Jesus for many years. And many Christians are at the place that they are questioning Jesus. But our unchanging God, the Bible says, he has given us great and precious promises by which we can partake in his nature. I, I thought, as I was praying this morning, I thought, ah, oh, Lord, 
I have so shortchanged myself. You have given me promises to partake in your divine nature. What is God's nature like? The Bible says God is unmoved. He is the consuming fire. He is unshakable. God is not moved by situation. And what does God want to do? He imparts into the righteous ones. He says that the righteous, when they operate in his likeness, they are like Mount Zion. They are unshaken and unshakable. That is the nature of God. He's not changing. The Bible says with him, there is no shadow. There is no shifting of shadows. He's the consistent, constant God. And when people say he's not God, he doesn't all of a sudden fall off his throne. When people hate him, Jesus says, when they have hated me, my God, Jesus speaks. He says, you can blaspheme against the Father. Because what you say against God does not change God. God loves you to hell if need be. You can hate him, but even in hell he will still love you. Except that now you have denied what he could do for you. And I'm trying to say to us this morning, how I wish for myself that at the end of this sermon I can be converted. At the end of this sermon I can be a guy who's a true partaker of God's nature. Who speaks those things that be not as though they are and they become. Who looks in the eye of the storm and inside him there's peace that surpasses all understanding. Who feels that when the enemies surround him, he's still in control. He says, oh, Pilate, don't you know, I could call a legion, an army of heaven. It is at my command, but I'm at peace. Because sufferings do nothing to my inner man. I'm just wasting outside. I'm letting you be because you can only touch the outside. You cannot touch the inside. And since you cannot touch the inside, let it be known to you that as I behold my Christ in the mirror, I am transformed into his likeness from glory to glory. Whatever you choose to do outside does not change. Or This is unfading glory in me. Because my nature is no longer determined by the outward occurrences. People don't gossip and make me. They don't change me. Situations come. They squeeze the hardest. But they leave me intact because though I may be hard pressed. I'm not crushed. I still, with the bleeding wounds of Jesus Christ, cry with him, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. How I pray, 
I could change to that level. That the goats in churches, the immature in churches, the, the wolves in churches, they never temper with my inner world. I am secured in him. That's my prayer for you too. That you could be secured. Okay, now we can start the preaching. <laughs> Let's go to First Peter chapter 1. Verse 3 to verse 6. This is where this is our key text. We are talking about hope. Christ, Jesus Christ, our living hope. Hope outside Christ is simply defined as an eager, confident expectation. Right? Just without Christ. With Christ, it's an eager, expectant, confident expectation of the anointed one to work on our behalf. We have an expectation that he who watches over us, who never sleeps nor slumber, has us covered. I don't know if I'm saying anything. But let me read. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never, my God, an inheritance that can never what? Perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded. These words they spoke to me. It says we are born into. When people are without Christ, they are not born again. The words born into cannot be used on them. But the Bible says he that is born again. The Bible says they are born into a living hope. Right? That's one. But two, it says this very hope comes because of the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Pause and think. Resurrection means every other thing that had power to bring death is defeated by resurrection. So if it was sickness, if it was cancer, if Jesus was to be killed by cancer, whatever would have killed him. When he rises up, he declares that that thing has no power over me. Whatever has been set against us, when we rise with Christ, we rise into an ex a confident expectation that what had power over us will not rule us anymore. And the Bible says, this is an inheritance 
that shall not spoil, perish, or fade. When we know what we are born into, what lies into our future cannot be thwarted, cannot be foiled. Even when we are squeezed, we know this thing that I have hoped for will not fade. But I love this part. It says we are shielded. Now, I, I, I was just thinking, Lord, I don't know. Why do I stress about things that people who are not shielded stress about? Because it says here, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, we are shielded. It says, in all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Who's not suffering now? Who's saying, for me, it's smooth sailing? No one. The Bible says, even though we have to suffer for a little while, we are still shielded. Sometimes you have to say, Father, I thank you for the unseen security and provision against the wiles of the enemy. Father, maybe sometimes open my eyes to see how I am attacked, but the shield of God's glory and his rampant against me has made a hedge, and I go where I shouldn't have gone. I get it away, but... Okay, let me just... Try and rush through this matter. Let's go to Ephesians 2, 11, 14. Are you there, saints? We're talking about Jesus. Their living hope. Whom we want to be my living hope. I'm reading Ephesians 2. Let me read from 11 to 14. It says, Therefore remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call the, themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember, who is supposed to remember? You and I. It remember that at that time when you were not born again, you were separated from Christ excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ, I like those preachers who say, tell your neighbor, say, but now. Yeah. Eh? You are without what? Hope. Then that's the part where the preacher says, but now. But now I don't just have hope. I have living hope. We'll come to that again. It says, 
For he himself is our peace. I love how Christ is used in the noun form. He himself is our peace. He himself is our hope. He himself is our wisdom. Except that we are still saying Christ is the wisdom. We have not arrived. Christ is my. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. I'm reading 17 to 20. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear. You hear in that? Hebrews chapter 6. I'm reading from verse 17. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose, what? Very clear. Isn't it said that God sought to make things clear and are still not clear to us? God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, everything with God is unchangeable, in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold we have fled from the world. It says to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. When things are clear to God's children, God's children in the midst of discouragement, they become greatly encouraged. We are surrounded by death. We are surrounded by poverty. We are surrounded by political corruption. We are surrounded by all world order conspiracies. We are surrounded by things that are not going well. But because God unchanging purpose for our lives, unchanging victory, unchanging end for us, because our inheritance is unfading and spoiling, we are greatly encouraged. I don't know about you. I'm going through stuff. But as I read these words, I felt like, God, you are good. Are you there, saints? We have this hope. Eh? As an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. You st are you still hearing? Are you sure? Can we continue? Ooh, listen. Here. David did not have what we have. So Jesus says, uh, David says, the Lord restores my soul. But we have a better proclamation. The Lord anchors 
my soul. He holds me firm and secure. When the storms of life come, my soul is anchored in him. I am not tossed to and fro. So Jesus, our living hope, is a death-defying, sin-conquering, and freedom-granting hope. It's not this, ah, I hope. I ho no, 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 no. This one defies the odds. Because he's not circumstantial. He goes into circumstances to turn them for our good. So that our hope is not founded on the situations, but it's founded on him who can change the situation. Are you there, saints? Okay, let's see. My God. Do we finish? Do we what? Do we postpone? Let's see how far we go. Colossians 1.27 tells us. It says, Colossians 1.27, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles their glorious riches of this mystery. I read this verse this morning and I thought my friend how do you shortchange yourself like this? Here he made known to the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Eh? When I look this tight, I see Gentile, I see Gentile, I see Gentile, I see Gentile. Here he has made known the mystery. Who's the mystery? Christ in us. The hope of glory. You know, as I thought about it, oh, I, I, I felt something getting excited in me. Because Christ is the hope of, what is glory? What is the ichabod of God? What is the immanence, the presence of God? Is the manifestation of God's virtues. The all-encompassing attributes of God can be summarized in his glory. How I wish I can enter a situation and know that Christ in me, the hope of total deliverance, because when he did the miracle at the wedding at Cana, they say he revealed his glory. Ah, miracles are part of his glory. Are you hearing me? You need a miracle. But the, your miracle is in him. The hope of glory. You can add your own sermon onto that one. Let me just rush to the last two, three portions. Romans chapter 12. My personal sustaining scripture. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. I'm going to read it up to 21, but my part in the season that I've been 
is chapter Romans 12, 12. It says, be joyful in hope. How do you like that? Wouldn't you be joyful in hope when hope has become clear to you? Eh? If Christ is your living, victory-assuring hope, hope of glory, wouldn't you be joyful in hope? It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, as if you forget that you will be afflicted. The Bible says, when you go through affliction, be what? Be patient. And faithful in prayer. Not faithful in worry and complain. Faithful in falling on your knees and say, my God, my God, you have said it shall be well with me because my hope has gone ahead of me to secure my unchangeable unfading glorious future are you still there it says share with the lost people now this one is for every one of us especially now ne? can i read it slower this one is not part of the preaching. It's just part of reminding ourselves. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Not go to hospitality school. Treat the saints with due honor that recognizes that they belong to Christ. Bless those who persecute you. And bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing. There will be those that are rejoicing right now. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. How many people have done evil against you lately? How many times have you felt like telling them where to get off? How many times have you felt like telling them everything that is in your mind, leaving what you forgot out? Do not repay evil for evil. The days are evil, but it doesn't mean we should be evil too. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. I don't care. This is my life. Why are they judging me? A lot of saints are telling us leaders these days, under lockdown, when they are harboring the works of darkness. Now you are doing fat and said. Now you are doing things that you claimed not to be doing. Now we call you, I'm no longer part of the church. Oh, when you wanted to become, you came to tell us. Now that you are enjoying the works of darkness, you just sleep like a snake on the rock. Anyway. Where were we? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room 
for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's go to Lamentations 3. This is for your exhortation. Lamentations chapter 3. I'm reading from verse 17. This is a man who had gone through a hard time and then he writes these words. He had been in a dungeon. The kings have hated him. People had despised his prophecies. He says, I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. Doesn't that feel like some of us here? So I say, because of the things that I've experienced, this is what I'm convinced. My splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. Have you not been there? No, some of us have been there where you had hoped that things will go this way and they went that way. And you say, why, Lord? I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall, I well remember them. And my soul is downcast within me, within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. When my soul is downcast, I bring myself to remembrance. Then I bring my hope back to life. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is Lord your faithfulness. Then I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good to wait quietly. And then we wrap it up with this one. Isaiah 40, 28, 31. After all we have heard this morning, Isaiah has a question for us. When you have heard that Christ is the only hope, the death-defying, sin-conquering, and freedom-granting hope, the anchor of your soul, when you have heard that you can look wherever you wish to look, that hope will fail you. But Jesus has promised never to leave you nor forsake you. Jesus has promised to work everything for your good. When you have heard all of that this morning, as I have a question for me and for you, do you not know? Isaiah 40, 28, I'm ready. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord. Those who wait upon the Lord. 
who quietly and patiently wait for the manifestation of the unfading and spoiled glory, victory of God. They will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Yesterday I was chatting with a friend of mine. We were chatting about eagles and strong winds. Eagles have a very healthy perspective of winds. They understand the value of winds when it comes to aerodynamics. That winds, however bad, they can make you so higher, high above. If only God can give you the right perspective of the winds, the storm in your life. So that you don't think this wind is here to destroy me. But you can think this wind is taking me higher. Higher. I will soar. Are you weary? I have been weary until this morning. Early hours of this morning. Last night I slept very tired. But as I prayed, my body was aching. I felt God massaging me into this energy. I felt God easing the pain of everything that I'm going through. I felt God putting me under those winds. Initially, I felt like I'm losing it. Suddenly, I feel like, wow, look at that problem. It really is a small hill. I was standing next to it, it looked like a mountain. Now, I look at it and I say, it's a hill. I have a better perspective because Christ is my living hope to turn those hills that are mountains to me to small, invisible things as I saw high with him. Why don't you just stand up with us this morning? Jesus Christ, our living hope. Son of man, can these bones live? Ah, Lord, sovereign Lord. Only you know. Son of man, prophesy. From the abundance of the heart, where Jesus is the anchor of my soul, son of man, prophesy. Christ in me, I started thinking, source of victory. Christ in me, source of Joy, Christ in me. Son of man, prophesy. Speak, son of man. You have the divine nature. Son of man, don't live in depression. Lord, my dad is sick. Son of man, prophesy. Lord, there's a problem. Son of man, prophesy. Son of man, prophesy. God, they have broken into the church last night again. Son of man, 